Hello and welcome everyone uh, to our latest episode of Safeguarding Voice. My name is Heather McDade and I have the lovely Tina Poquia. And we are both safeguarding consultants here at Education Child Protection. So the issue on the table today that we're going to have a conversation around is domestic abuse. Um, and I think there's lots of different things that we can talk about. And I suppose if this wasn't a 20 minute podcast, we could be here for seven hours. But I promise you it is our normal episode length. Let's start off talking about it. What what is domestic abuse? Let's we hear about it all the time. I'm hearing about it in media. It's on all of the soap operas. But Tina, can you help us elaborate? What are we talking about here? Okay, so to define it is threatening, controlling, coercive behaviour in a relationship. Um, it could happen between anybody over sixteen, but we also are now seeing a huge concern for teenage abusive mm. relationships as well. So it can involve emotional abuse, physical, psychological, financial, coercion and control, spiritual abuse, um, mm. cultural abuse. So it's more complicated than was initially thought of, but with you know the new bill, it really defines it and makes sure that everybody knows the statutory definition, so it's very clear. Yeah, it's kind of that sounds like a really big umbrella, doesn't it? Yeah. It kind of yeah. covers so much. Um, and I think there's a few things that I, you know, I think we should draw from the from the get go. So the first is we know from our definition, it's irregardless of gender or sexuality. Um, but I think it's worthwhile mentioning kind of the elephant in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you know we've recently seen the new document coming out by the government saying supporting male victims of crimes considered violence against women and girls. Tina, thoughts? Mm-hmm. Is that a great title? What do we think? It is sad because there's going to be a lot of male victims or professionals who are not aware of um, male victims being, you know, victims of Mm. domestic abuse. And seeing a title like this doesn't help the situation. It enables people to feel very reluctant to speak because they think it's a girls and women's issue. We shouldn't Mm. be going through this. The stigma or the negativity Mm. behind it does not help. So it's a real concern. As we know, like generally the media reports research always focuses on girls and women's and the experiences of theirs and Mm. we know that males are also going to be victims but you know because of the stigma behind it may may not decide to report it and you know there are services there are support out there however people may be reluctant and with titles like this it really isn't helpful it really no because there's a lot of good stuff in here that the report itself isn't inherently problematic but as kind of like an accessibility point of view I read that and was like no that doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. so I think it's important that when we talk about this while I think there can be sometimes uh, you know that kind of focused image on this is you know male perpetrating against female we actually know it can happen in any gender it can be male against female female against male male against male um it can include um, people of kind of non-binary identities it's really trying to be as inclusive as possible but unfortunately we don't want inclusivity when it comes to abuse and i think that's a that's a challenge we we don't want anyone to experience this um when we just before we started the podcast you said something to me that just really stood out and i think it's important to reflect on it you said we've seen a big shift in how we talk about domestic abuse people being very proud well i don't hit my partner but actually we're now recognizing it isn't just forms of physical violence what are some of the new things that you feel that you're hearing more people talk about that's being reported more is there kind of some things that you think would be beneficial for for people listening to to consider 
I think definitely there's been more of a focus on understanding coercion and control and mm. how it can be very even subtle so people don't even recognise it at the early stages. So it could be your partner telling you, oh, don't wear this green dress. The black one looks better on you. Mm. But they might say it because they're jealous or the other one looks a bit more attractive and they don't want other people to be looking at you. Mm. So it could be very subtle that sometimes people don't recognise in a relationship how they might be in a coercive um, controlling relationship mm. also looking at financial abuse and that's something mm. that wasn't really highlighted but it really has a huge impact i previously who had clients whose partner would make sure they exactly put one pound 40 on the oyster to be able to go and pick up the kids and one pound 40 to be able to come back home so she wouldn't be able to go anywhere else mm. or making sure that when they went shopping they were giving them the exact amount mm. they would check um checking the receipts making sure that they weren't mm. overspending so financial abuse is something that really affects many girls and, and women that there. that can be really interestingly spoken about because there is someone who could say to you well i was providing i was making sure they had the right mm -hmm. amount of money for the oyster and I was making sure they had the right amount of money exactly. for that. But actually, sometimes when you look at it from a different lens, you can see it less as a provider and more of a, well, actually, I'm going to ensure that you can't put an extra £5 away. So that could lead you to maybe mm -hmm. wanting to, exactly. to leave. So that kind of subtlety um, can mm -hmm. be really challenging for victims to notice. How do we as professionals handle it? Because that's really challenging. What? Because obviously I know that in the past you've worked as, as an IDVA, so that's an independent domestic... Violence advisor. Yeah. Some people say advocate. Um, either way. Yeah, either way. <laughs> but So this is something that you've got real first-hand experience in. How do professionals, whether they're in a school, a charity, a youth club, thinking particularly about our younger demographic, what are some of the things that we can think about spotting? How can we be preventative in this way? What, what can we do? Well, there's things first is for us to understand it ourselves. Mm. A lot of practitioners come into you know, these experiences and don't know how to manage it because they don't even understand it themselves. Mm. So really having a clear definition of what domestic abuse is, the different forms, understanding the warning signs, the red flags, and being able to start these honest conversations. Sometimes you'll be surprised that when you give that space to young people, whoever, and start having these conversations, a lot of things are revealed and trying to really challenge their thoughts and their ideas. And they'll be like, oh, okay, maybe that isn't a healthy relationship. And I think mm. that's a good starting point. People don't like the word abuse or violence. Mm. So always start off with thinking about healthy relationships, unhealthy relationships, yeah. and unpacking that. And once you get an understanding of that, you understand, you know, the different impacts it can have on you, then mm. it starts getting easier for, to be able to kind of help people understand their experiences and yeah. realise that this isn't right and I need the right support. So starting those conversations is really important. Yeah, getting those building blocks is right, you know, get, because, yeah, what if, if you've gone in and you don't understand domestic abuse and you don't understand the nuances, it, we could get ourselves into a situation where we're, we're probably not being helpful. Um, you talked a little bit um, about healthy relationships and I know both yourself and myself we, we work with young people and again we were, we were kind of talking before this started about some things that were, were quite shocking and challenging mm -hmm. for us that was said. Um, I shared with you an experience I was teaching um, a, a year 10 group and started really innocent it was a nice starter activity it was meant to be what is what can be offensive and what cannot be offensive to really just get going on those types of conversations it wasn't intended to talk about domestic abuse at all we were actually there talking about sending nude and semi-nude images uh, which I suppose there's a very interesting correlation there as well and I had a year 10 girl talk to me about a red flag being um, that her partner could cheat on her, which, sure, we're talking about trust and relationships. And we talked about what she would do in that situation. And she said, well, I give him a slap. Mm -hmm. And 
my human response was shock horror, but my teacher response was, hold on, take a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. Let's think about it. You know, how do you think he would feel? Do you know, is there times where we warrant violence? And then I just thought, I'll just ask her the kind of reverse. I said, if you cheated on your partner and he gave you a slap, how would you feel? And she was like, well, I deserve it. I did do it, didn't I? And that was the bit that I found super shocking was mm-hmm. it wasn't the bravado. She wasn't trying to make anyone laugh. And everyone else in the classroom, I was expecting, like, the face that I felt inside. <laughs> and sh- no one was. People were going, well, yeah, I suppose. That normalised Real normalised behaviour. Have you come across some of that kind of normalising, kind of those types of things? Definitely. I've had young people say, well, if he's really jealous, that means he really loves you. And, like, jealousy and love are two different emotions mm. completely. And, you know, those conversations around cheating, yes, if you do cheat, you deserve to be hit, you deserve to be Mm -hmm. slapped because, you know, you did something that broke their trust. But their normalised attitudes towards it, that's what's really scary. Like, where are they learning this from? Mm -hmm. Who is challenging them? What are they witnessing? Whether, you know, in the media, I think the media is becoming more positive, but what what are they witnessing at home? Mm -hmm. For them to bring this attitude into their, you know, school environment and really normalise it. So it's a really concern. Actually, do you know what? Even as we've talked about media being more... I know, again, yourself and myself have spoken about it, but the Oscars, we've seen that was in the face of love, wasn't it? I guess, well, the media is not helping. (laughs) (laughs) The media can do many things. It can be helpful and it can be a hindrance. I mean, that was really shocking. And hearing, again, we've obviously both been in school since that's happened. And I've heard a lot of people going, yeah, that's that's what I would want my man to do, is I'd want my man to stick up. That's how I show me that he loves me. And I'm like, nope, because the moment we put violence... in we're 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 negating that kind of healthy interaction aren't we um so there's a there's a lot to consider um in terms of next steps so we're opening up that safe space we're talking about it but in terms of referral pathways in terms of getting people the support that they need so we've we've agreed we need to have open conversations we need education i think we're both big advocates of the you know the rse curriculum really getting it right from the get-go but of course we also work with professionals a lot of our um you know a lot of our clients and people that we train are with adults what what pathways have we got available when we think one of our clients whether male female non-binary is in a domestically abusive situation what what do we do so there are a lot of support services that can either provide one-to-one support so i used to work with solace women's aid Mm. we used to do a six-week program with um young people who had concerns maybe had been in an abusive relationship or were perpetrators i don't even like calling young people perpetrators Mm. the wrong word because they are you know practicing behavior that they've seen from adults so i don't like calling young people perpetrators so take that out yeah (laughs) yeah fair um witnessing what they have maybe at home or what they've Mm. seen in their society and thinking that this behavior is normal so having those conversations with them really trying to unpack their thoughts their behaviors really planting seeds for them to recognize the power the impact they have on other Mm. people's lives so we used to do yeah one-to-ones we have our session every week um or we can do group sessions and Mm. group sessions are really for them to think about collectively what could they do and they used to create a campaign at the end and then they'll perform it in front Mm. of the whole assembly so if you do have concerns there are services charities out there that actually doing really impactful one-to-one us us as consultants we're Mm. out there in the school we're doing whole school assemblies but 
yeah, if you really need that intense support, there are services out there. So if you have concerns about your child or young person, please do reach yeah, go out. out there. I think that's really important, and I think that we have obviously from the we did talk about you know the the the, the less than ideal title, uh, but there has been actually a lot of stuff that's been coming out. Obviously, the domestic abuse bill that you've made reference to, that's seen some real seismic changes right i mean the the broadening of the the definition of the victim so you know now simply by being in a household where domestic abuse is present Mm -hmm. that the child is deemed to be a victim of domestic abuse which i think gives gives weight to what is already a very weighty and an important issue to talk about um we've also seen steps towards protecting the victim in a court of law yeah i think that's because i think there is we're making this big push we need to talk about we have to create safe spaces we want to get referral pathways but what we don't want to do is we don't want to set people up to be re-traumatized we don't want to set people up to to fail what are some of the things that this domestic abuse bill is doing to protect victims once we get to that kind of prosecution type level? So a lot of victims are scared to even come forward because of the whole reimagination of their trauma that they've experienced. Mm. And the court setting often makes the perpetrators like cross-examine them. Mm. And it's really not healthy. It's really traumatic for them. So this bill hopefully prevents this from happening in the first place so they won't be getting cross-examined from the perpetrators. Another great thing that helps is recognising the impact of domestic abuse after a person leaves a relationship and how it can continue. Mm. So the harassment, if they have children, the contact, there's always ways where a perpetrator can use their power and control to still manipulate, still hurt victims Mm. after they've left the relationship. So really taking these into consideration and thinking about how the police, how the justice system can support and prevent this from continuing so it really looks at some of the issues that women have spoke about and Mm. said that this is their concern even when they've been able to speak to the police that the ongoing concerns have really been brought to light and hopefully this bill will really prevent these things from happening continuing so yeah it's 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 a working process isn't it we're we're not we're not here to say that it's solved one day but yeah it is it's (laughs) certainly not one day um there's been a big campaign to bring um because uh, a number of the laws of relation to domestic abuse are named after women who have who have died at the hands of domestic abuse. I know that the Claire's Law mm-hmm. is something, obviously, um, but we're now seeing Valerie's um, law being debated. Um, it's been brought it to forward towards Parliament now to talk about. Are you able to kind of give us a bit of an overview of, of what that means and what, what, what does that look at? So the Valerie Law has been really pushed and campaigned um, by an amazing charity, which is seeking to get professionals, police, trained to understand how domestic abuse affects black women of colour, how often when they report issues to the police, for whatever reasons, it's not taken as seriously, Mm. even thinking about, if I think about physical abuse, if me as a darker skinned black person, Mm -hmm. if you was to hit me, maybe the marks, the bruises would not come as, you know, Wow, right, yeah. someone who is of a um, whiter complexion. So taking these things into consideration, um, Valerie reported her incident to the police and the police like did not do what they needed to do. And a few weeks later, she was murdered, her and her mm-hmm. child, by her um, ex-partner. So it really pushes for police and professionals to recognise how domestic abuse affects women of colour and what they can do to kind of spot the signs, give mm-hmm. them the right support. 
and hopefully going forward there will not be any more incidences as tragic as Valerie's. Yeah, I mean, because uh, just for those of you who don't know, um, that's Valerie Ford, um, and Valerie Ford was murdered by her ex-partner uh, as well as her 23-month-old daughter. And six weeks prior to the murder, Valerie reported threats to the police, but it was recorded as a threat to property rather than a threat to life. And I think we've got to, to recognise that a lot of our learning is coming from failure. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think for, for everybody, that's a really tough one to, to talk about, right? You know, we talk about all sorts of different serious case reviews when we talk about child protection. You know, even, I mean, what, 22 years later, we're still talking about the case of Victoria Clemby, and rightly so, there was huge failings in terms of that. And I think really giving people the understanding that we have to learn from those those mistakes, those errors, uh, those tragic instances. Um, uh, so yeah, definitely kind of thinking about that as a kind of moving forward point. Um, kind of in terms of RSE, you've spoken about um, red flags, you've talked about safe spaces, you've spoken about a number of different things. Is there anything that if there's say, for example, a parent listening, what are some of the conversations that we can be having with all of our children, regardless of gender? Understanding, recognising what consent is, what boundaries are. Fundamental conversations around healthy and unhealthy relationships. You can talk about that from a friendship perspective, from a family perspective. What does it mean to be a good friend? How does a good friend treat you? They're loving, they're supportive, they're encouraging. Conversations like this could be the initial start of then going into, you know, looking at relationships. And once we pull those seeds into our young people, they can always reflect back onto it, but not ignoring it. Sometimes, you know, as parents, we may not want to have conversations about our children getting into relationships. <laughs> you know, they are babies forever. But we need to recognise that if things do go wrong, if they do end up in an unhealthy relationship, the fact that you've had that conversation with them, you haven't judged them, you're not there to tell them off. If things do go wrong, they will come back to you and say, you know, yeah. this is what I'm concerned about. You know, can you give me some advice? So really starting those conversations as early as possible. As I said, yeah. it doesn't need to be on romantic relationships. Yeah. Talk about friendships. What is the standards? What's the expectations that you have and yeah. that you're not going to allow anybody to cross those boundaries? Yeah. So it's really important to really... I think you're, I, you know, I think that is so right is that it doesn't, you know, we all always immediately domestic abuse, we think relationships, but actually the building blocks of that does start back at things like friendships, understanding what would be an okay way for a friend to treat me. And I think you are right. Sometimes, you know, we don't want to address those behaviours because we, you know, we talk about loving someone, trusting someone completely, but actually the people we trust completely can often be the ones that hurt us the most. Um, so I think that's a really important kind of place to, to, to be at with that. Um, in terms of starting that conversation, I know myself um, as, as a daughter, um, uh, one of the things that, that my, both my mum and my dad used to do was they'd use TV right uh, back pre before sky press pause right <laughs> they'd probably have to plan it much more than i've maybe even thought about um and i remember it sometimes it would be on coronation street maybe it would be um on something that like you know one of the edgy channel fours that came out you know <laughs> back in that kind of noughties 90s um uh, region to, to they would then be like what did you think of that and they would use that as kind of a, a starting point, point. Yep. um Thinking about, again, whether it's professionals, parents or carers, I personally think there's some really interesting media depictions of domestic abuse in its multiple forms at the minute. Um, the one that I'm thinking of, which is a little bit older, 
is there was a BBC three program called Is This Coercive Control? And they showed um, a, a fictional relationship and two focus groups and they showed at different vignettes at different stages and they'd say, do you think this is coercive control? Mm. And what I found absolutely both fascinating and terrifying was I was going, yep, I do. I think that's coercive control. And the majority were going, no. Mm. And I was like, what? And I thought, actually, if I had had a young person with me while watching it, that's a pause. Mm. <laughs> that's a pause where I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Is there other examples of media at the moment, whether fictional, whether, um, you know, fi- like you know you know not works of fiction non-fiction that you could maybe highlight towards professionals or parents or carers that might be a good springboard onto okay so all young people mm-hmm. seem to be watching top boy now they do <laughs> so, yeah top boy really demonstrated how coercion and control happens in a relationship mm-hmm. um what i liked about it is i said Domestic abuse is often thought about as physical incidences, mm. and they didn't demonstrate that until the end. Yeah. No spoiler alert. No sorry, spoilers. Sorry. No spoilers. <laughs> but the way that he did it was very manipulative. She mm. was very scared. She was very petrified. And even how they bring up the family members, and that's mm. not often spoke about. But when we talk mm. about control and coercion, I've had a lot of. Um, clients that I've worked with that also think about their mother-in-laws, their sisters, right. their brothers, and that's not often discussed. So I really like the way they brought that into. Yeah. So definitely watch that and yeah. have a conversation with your child. Trigger warning that. though, Trigger it's warning. not an easy, it's not, it's not an easy watch. It's intense, it's yeah. intense. So definitely one to do over 16, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 24 hours in police custody is really interesting. Um, there was one uh, very harrowing TV um, kind of look at um, a 11 week old baby who, who was was murdered at the hands of, of ultimately it was her father um, but what we seen there was a number of different domestic abuse issues of coercion intimidation, control stalking, harassment and it was all under the guise of love and it tied in terrifyingly with other child protection issues Mm. um and while i would never recommend that to a professional to watch with a child i think from a professional point of view it it is one that i watched with with sadness with horror but also with a a kind of a huge element of learning from it um any other kind of I, i don't i don't personally watch the soaps anymore we're usually out training um i don't i don't think i've seen any other kind of amazing descriptions of domestic abuse um i know that usually we've got some eastenders hollyoaks have got some stuff but i would definitely kind of urge people to look at popular culture mm. as those snapshots to start having having even that. celebrities i don't know about recently but like our generation yeah. big rihanna and chris brown huge rihanna huge. and chris brown absolutely so that was a good starting point for having starting point we could start, talk about will smith and chris rock thinking back to what you said about is there a good place to start having a conversation that isn't a romantic relationship exactly. that could be a friendship mm-hmm. that's a you know i've i've seen on tiktok uh school teachers reacting to it. what would i have done if that was in a in a school thing and actually there's a lot of things to talk about there so I can't believe it's been nearly 20 minutes already. We promised that we wouldn't talk for three hours and I feel like we're very close to not upholding that promise. Um, Should we end on a positive? Let's talk about the number of incredible services 
that are out there. Um, so obviously to start off with, we've got Solace Women's Age, which you've spoken about. Um, we've got the Men's Advice Line. Uh, you've got Gallup, which is the LGBTQIA anti-violence charity. Um, you've got the National Domestic Abuse Helpline. Um, in terms of more specific concerns, we obviously have the for- Forced Marriage Unit mm-hmm. um, number that we can call. Am I missing any? We've got Naya. Yes. We've got Advance. Um, London Black Women's Project. I can't think of any more. I think, I mean, I think we've probably done 10 at this stage. <laughs> what we're going to do is we'll link um, the places for support in our in our kind of little bio on our podcast. Um, but what we understand is this is not the entirety of the conversation, nor could we ever do it in a, a short video, a short podcast. But I think what what we want from it is that beginning bit of a conversation, right? Let's start talking about it. Let's mm-hmm. not keep it as an elephant in the room let's let's start addressing it um any final words from you tina start the conversation that's a simple as that (laughs) simple as that well thank you very much everybody um it has uh been both myself and tina's pleasure to to kind of have this 25 minute chat with you as always do follow us on our normal social media channels if you want to continue the conversation we are happy to do that in our comments um and yeah reach out for those places for support Come on to our website if you want additional training. We've got some really interesting stuff coming up that we would love to to share and be involved with with you all. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now.